Welcome to Frictionless Marketing, an exploration of how modern marketers are building their brands, reaching their audiences, and thriving in this post-advertising world. Linda Rutherford began her career at Southwest Airlines in 1992. In the subsequent 28 years, she's been a pivotal part of the development of the brand's communications function, ultimately culminating into the role of Senior Vice President and Chief Communications Officer. In addition to leading the communications function, Linda's role entails a focus on all things media relations, internal communications, community outreach, culture services, and change leadership. Linda's been named as one of the 36 women champions of PR by PR Week, was inducted into the PR News Measurement Hall of Fame, was the recipient of the Margaret Bush Wilson Lifetime Achievement Award by the St. Louis NAACP. Linda was also named as a top executive in diversity by Black Enterprise Magazine and most recently was a recipient of a PR Week Purpose Award. We really enjoyed this very wide-ranging conversation with Linda about Southwest's dedication to its purpose, the importance of social listening during a volatile time and some of the most poignant leadership lessons she's learned from female executives and mentors. All of this and so much more on today's episode of Damn Good Brands. Without further ado, here is Southwest Airlines SVP and Chief Communications Officer Linda Rutherford in conversation with Lippy Taylor CEO Paul Dyer. Hello, this is Paul Dyer with Lippy Taylor uh, here with the Digital Reductionism Series for Provoke Media. Today, we're speaking with Linda Rutherford, Chief Communications Officer at Southwest Airlines. Linda, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. We are um, really looking forward to hearing your insights, um, both as a a communications leader and also as somebody who's on the front lines of the things that are really impacting uh, the world we live in today. Um, But to start out with, we thought we would Um, maybe start with something that is seen as being really central to Southwest Airlines, which is culture and um, how Southwest is oftentimes, even in business school case studies, the culture of the company is talked about. And as CCO, you're responsible for heading up the company's culture services department. So we'd love to hear you talk a little bit about how you describe Southwest's culture and how you go about implementing it throughout the company. Well, Paul, thank you for having me here this morning. Um, the, you know, I've been a student uh, of our company culture for the 28 years that I've been here. It is uh, truly something amazing to watch in action. And even as we've grown through the years and our business has gotten more complex, uh, it's just been gratifying to see it come alive uh, in different ways. Our, um, our very early employees, those first 150 people who were hired at Southwest Airlines took a big risk. And they banded together in something that we call today um, a warrior spirit. So it was do or die. It was it was we must survive against all odds. The legacy carriers did not want Southwest Airlines to be able to thrive and grow. And that group of people banded together. And for them, failure was not an option. And I think that that those very early beginnings um, served as a great foundation for what our culture has become today. And we get questioned in the, in, the, in the many years that I've been at Southwest Airlines, we got questioned when we had 15,000 employees and then when we had 25 and when we had 40 and now that we have a little over 60,000, um, that how can you possibly keep the culture alive You know, when you have that many people? And I think it's, first of all, in the people that we hire, uh, we look for 
you know, people who are uh, wired to serve. They get up in the morning wanting to know how they can make somebody else's day better. Uh, they have a whatever it takes attitude. They are altruistic. Uh, they are teamwork oriented. And, uh, and they come to help the company and their teams be successful. Uh, and then I also believe that it is a common understanding of the mission and purpose. So we say the purpose of Southwest Airlines is to connect people to what's important in their lives through friendly, reliable, and low-cost air travel. And we start we start from the moment we give you a job offer, sort of instilling that purpose, and you get it in your onboarding, and you get it from your leadership communication, and you get it in your engagement activities. And we really try to drive that. And, and then the... Um, the esprit de corps, right? The the company is very good at pivoting. Uh, it's it's certainly had its share of um, challenges, uh, difficulties uh, through the years. It's the company's 49 years old. Our 50th anniversary will be in 2021, and that spirit of survival and then and then opportunities to thrive is also built into the culture and the people who work here who want to see the company be successful to be there for customers. We say when we started that we democratized the skies because prior to Southwest Airlines, air travel was for the elite. It was expensive. People dressed up um, and there weren't as many places to go. And we've been able to make flying affordable and been able to sort of spread our wings and make it accessible uh, for many more people than, than before we existed. I mean, it's a very inspiring story and way of thinking about, you know, the, the role of the company you work for in the broader industry. Um, you know, maintaining culture like that is something that no doubt requires um, sort of purposeful, to use your word, um, you know, maintenance and protection over time. I'm curious, though, the role of communications in that process, you know, is this something where communications is involved in sort of defining and protecting, you know, at that executive table? Is it something where it really is led from the CEO and communications then is tasked with um, communicating about it. Um, so I'm just curious, what is the role of communications in that sort of shepherding that culture? The, the communications department, uh, communications and outreach, and then culture and engagement are two departments that I have responsibility for, and they partner very well together. Um, communication is a, a central core element of being able to engage employees because the first thing you want them to do is know the state of the business, right? What's going on in, in the business? What are the priorities so that they can pivot their work to be focused on the right things? And that happens through communication. And so we spend a lot of time um, with our internal communications focus, um, pre prepping employees um, to know what the priorities are, prepping leaders to know how to uh, help sort of get that clear line of sight uh, for our employees. And, um, and, and it's then when someone feels informed and engaged and included that then the culture can come alive because then they feel like the, the employee can do their best work. Uh, the culture and the environment is, is fostering that opportunity to thrive. And, and it allows for that, um, that teamwork and that camaraderie that people feel, the equity they feel when they come to work uh, and, and do their best for Southwest Airlines, that's when the culture can truly thrive. So communication is foundational to that effort. I mean, that's great. And it sounds, um, it relates, it, it feels like to your comment a minute ago that as soon as you hire somebody, you communicate the sense of purpose that Southwest is, you know, has 
Um, and there's two different things I'd love to pick up on that on from that. One is we'll come back to it in a minute is about hiring. Uh, we have a lot of people in the industry that are looking for new opportunities, and, and you're obviously a person who's made a lot of hiring decisions. So I'm curious your thoughts on what they, you know, how they might position themselves for future opportunities. But to start with purpose, um, this is obviously an interview that will air on Provoke Media. But I can't help but acknowledge that just a few hours ago, PR Week named you a finalist for Most Purposeful Professional of the Year. So first of all, congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) And um, this word, I mean, it feels like just hearing you talk about it, it's so clear that it's central to what you do um, and the company you work for. But there's a lot of brands today that are struggling with what purpose means, what it means to their various stakeholders, Um, how expectations have changed when it comes to brand purpose or being purpose-driven. So as somebody who lives it and seems to kind of have it all figured out, I'm curious, what are your thoughts about the broader topic of being purpose-driven or what advice you might give brands as they grapple with this? Well, you know, I'd love to tell you that 49 years ago, you know, this this beautiful purpose of connecting people to what's important in their lives existed. It didn't. I mean, it was was attempting to... Uh, woo people out of their cars and onto airplanes at an attractive price, and then uh, with an aim of providing service that that made you want to come back. Uh, what we've evolved into uh, is a is a fierce competitor in the airline industry, but it is also a, it's a company of the people. So we like to say that you know we um, uh, we're we're we, we just happen to fly airplanes. We're really in the customer service business, and so we interact with stakeholders all over the place. Whether you are a regulator. Uh, you're a community member, you're a customer, um, you're a social media influencer. I mean, there's a number of different stakeholders and certainly as a publicly traded company that we come in contact with. And so purpose has to have meaning in all of those different contexts. So for a customer, they want to know that you're going to provide a safe, comfortable environment. They want to know that they're going to get a fare that they can afford. They want to know that your operation is dependable and reliable. For an employee, uh, they want to know that they can bring their whole authentic self to work. They want to know that it's going to be an environment where they can do their best work. They want to know that it's a place that they're going to be able to sort of, my words, plant and grow. Um, The community partners and elected officials uh, want to know that you're a responsible company, that you are tuned into the needs uh, of the communities that you serve, that you represent the communities that you serve, and that you are willing to do your part to give back where you can. Um, and then uh, and then we have all of our various storytellers, members of the news media, social media influencers, who we want to know uh, what we feel like is the Southwest difference so that they have stories that they can tell that help build that affinity for the brand. So um, you hear a lot of criticism of purpose washing that people sort of, you know, slap a purpose on the wall and and don't bring a lot of depth or breadth to it. And I, and I think that's a caution for brands that, you know, there's this intense pressure to sort of jump on the purpose wagon and um, and and develop a meaning greater than yourselves. I mean, we we have to even be realistic about who we are. Um, you know, we, we're not going to be that company that's going to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, on on a pet project. Um, we don't have it, certainly not right now, but we don't have that kind of, of uh, resources. And so we have to be very realistic about our resources. Uh, thankfully, we do have a workforce that is uh, highly engaged and loves to give sweat equity. And so we have we have manpower. So where do we want that to be pointed? What kind of a difference can we make? And then realistically, we're an airline. We move things and people. And so moving things and people can serve a purpose. Where can that be? 
Um, and so, for instance, you know, several years ago, um, we started studying heavily the issue of human trafficking and realizing, first of all, how much of that was happening here in the United States. And then quite honestly, how much of that was happening on our own airplanes. Um, you know, one of the downsides to being extremely affordable for last minute travel could be um, that you are a, a carrier in that regard. And so, you know, we decided that our purpose was to connect people to what's important in our lives. And one of those things was to make sure that that victims of human trafficking, as an example, uh, could find safe haven, um, could reach out to our employees who would be trained to understand how to spot uh, potential cases of human trafficking and be able to get people uh, resources and help that they need to separate them from their uh, from their holders. So um, that's an example where, you know, we, um, now we, now we can't end human trafficking on our own, but we can certainly play a key role. And we've taken steps to make sure that our employees are trained, uh, that we've reached out and developed relationships with the right organizations across the country that are combating human trafficking, and that we've put a stake in the ground that we're going to do what we can do our part to make sure that that uh, doesn't happen um, on our airplanes. So, that that's an example. Yeah, that's an example, Paul. I think of how purpose comes to life, and you would you might not necessarily connect airline um, with a big effort around combating human trafficking. But the other advice I would give brands is, what do you do? So you know, pay attention to what you do and the and the influence uh, and the mark that you can make uh, with consumers, and then dial in there to see that there if there's a need that you can that you can help meet. Well, and the way I heard you start that was, was it about what business are you in, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing what business you're in and then what, you know, sort of greater good can that, can that business serve? And that's just an extraordinary example. And thank you for sharing that. Um, so we're obviously in this, um, you know, this COVID induced state where marketing in particular is very fraught at this time. It's difficult. Brands are afraid to appear tone deaf, but they also, have other stakeholders to your point, right? They have um, numbers to keep up and things like that. Um, there's obviously a big difference between what marketing and communications can do in terms of connecting with external audiences. And the nuance has probably never been more important than right now. Um, as you're thinking about some of the um, potential trepidation that consumers might have about air travel, what are you, you know, what are your thoughts on um, on that and on Southwest's role in um, connecting people to the things that are important in their lives. Especially right now, right? <laughs> um, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I am fortunate that I have a great relationship with our chief marketing officer. So uh, we are very good partners and um, we think about things in the same way. Uh, now, obviously, when we go back, we have different tools in our tool belt, but we, we definitely work. Every time we have a challenge, we come together to see how we can sort of leverage our, our, our resources together um, uh, to help you know, meet the challenge. Uh, certainly right now, uh, one of our missions is to uh, get back to financial stability and to be profitable. Um, that requires that we increase customer demand, that people want to get on airplanes. And so there's a, definitely an effort um, that has been underway since uh, May for us. It's called the Southwest Promise. And it's a multi-layered approach to try and uh, show people what we're doing to create safe environments um, as, as they are, get inspired by travel, as they are going through the booking process, as they are arriving at the airport, as they are uh, maneuvering and, and, and getting on the airplanes. 
And so uh, that has been, you know, that's that's been everything from, you know, mask requirements to uh, cleaning, enhanced cleaning protocols and um, and and new ways that we can help you maneuver travel like touchless uh, any any opportunity we have to be touchless while you are you know boarding the airplane things like that um, right now we're doing uh, physical distancing on the airplane so we're keeping the middle seats open so that if you aren't traveling with a companion or, or family and you want to have that physical space that we can provide it uh, we've made modifications to our in-flight service uh, so that we can do sort of minimal touch uh, while we're still you know giving you a snack and a drink in the cabin um, so obviously, marketing uh, has pivoted to uh, more of a light touch message around, you know, we're here when you want to travel. Um, and right now it's called Summer Like You Wanna. And so, you know, that looks a lot of different ways uh, for people. But um, we've been using a lot of outdoor imagery, uh, a lot of that sort of getaway. So not necessarily get away to somewhere where there's a lot of crowds, but just if you want to get away, um, that we can be the way that you get there. And then we've been complementing that with a lot of uh, media uh, interviews. Um, we're fortunate. Our CEO, chairman and CEO, Gary Kelly, is just an intuitive communicator and has been terrific uh, through this entire enduring uh, pandemic. And he's been, you know, out on the media circuit also just talking about uh, the ways in which, you know, we're doing our part uh, to make sure that we can create a safe and comfortable environment when people are uh, are looking to travel. And what's great about that is, you know, you, when you call something a promise, that's a high hurdle. And uh, certainly, you know, there have been, you know, mistakes here and there, but but the overwhelming feedback from customers uh, has been that they can see the difference when they fly. And in fact, our data shows us that after they fly and they and they give us the score, uh, the score is higher. So we've exceeded their expectations in terms of creating that right kind of travel environment for them. So we, we need more of that, certainly, uh, to get to a financially stable place. But um, that's an example where we've kind of come alongside marketing to partner to bring the Southwest promise to life, to talk to all of our various stakeholders, you know, even elected officials. I mean, there are some things that Congress was considering mandating. Um, the industry came together to show how it was going to, you know, meet the need uh, around mask wearing, mask wearing requirements, as an example, um, educating the news media and just providing a ton of uh, multi-channel content uh, to educate all of our various stakeholders. I love the example of incorporating the voice of the customer there with the sort of post-flight um, surveys and, and showing how you're um, exceeding their expectations. Um, data analytics measurement, obviously something that has been, um, but frankly, the communication side of the marketing landscape has been a little slower to really embrace and incorporate um, than some of our marketing and advertising colleagues. So I'm curious how you think about that and embracing you know, analytics as a tool um, or a source of inspiration for your communications organization? We're fortunate uh, that we started. Uh, so I'm a student of Katie Payne, uh, who has uh, long been a champion of measurement and communication. And she actually helped us start our practice many years ago. And so 
Um, we have a, a small but mighty team uh, in communications that really is looking. So we have uh, we have social listening. Uh, so we're listening to what's happening. You know, the zeitgeist. We are uh, listening to our own customers who are telling us things real time and social. And we come alongside the marketing insights function and partner together. So certainly they've got the voice of the customer uh, who's traveling. We've got sort of that real time. Um, you know, uh, sentiment uh, through our social listening. Uh, we're able to help the organization pivot on messaging very quickly if we need to. If we've decided um, one way that we're going to, you know, tell a narrative around, for instance, the, the initiative on the promise, social listening helps us get a very quick uh, feedback on um, on whether it's working or not. So you've heard the phrase fail fast. So, you know, the social listening uh, that we're able to do as part of our measurement analytics function and communication allows us to know if we need to pivot that messaging very quickly, uh, if it's resonating, uh, what might be meeting with some criticism, uh, and then we can educate our marketing partners who are then, you know, sort of codifying those messages into, you know, digital advertising um, and, and, and things that might be, you know, more, more hardwired. And so we're able to kind of give some of that early insight as, as those, um, as those materials are being built. So it's, uh, it's important. Um, our executives, whenever we have, you know, an event, uh, so to speak, you know, they, they definitely want to get measurement and analytics right away to know, you know, how is, how is, we had this key message. Were we successful in delivering it? Did we get it into the places that we wanted to? What's been the feedback and sentiment um, as it's being reported? And so being able to come back and provide uh, some of those insights um, allows us to, you know, uh, prepare our executives, quite frankly. I mean, when I can get a when I can get a measurement report from my team um, ahead of Gary doing a CNN interview, uh, you know, if we were if, if our narrative kind of worked one way, but we're getting some feedback um, and insights out of the out of the data that says that there's there's a little nuance that wasn't working, we're able to kind of course correct as we go. And that's been extremely helpful, particularly since, you know, this is this has never happened before. <laughs> Um, and, and it's and it's lasted a long time. And so we certainly know more now than we did in March. Uh, but being able to rely on our measurement analytics has really been helpful as we've sort of pivoted some of these messages as we've learned more uh, through these months. Well, that's great. I mean, that's that's the dream, right? Everybody dreams about being able to, to get those real-time signals and optimize their messaging. So it's wonderful that you have those real examples of it. Um, one of the things that no doubt, as you're, you're conducting social listening, is probably coming through as a loud signal right now is the calls for racial and social justice and companies to be more transparent and more engaged around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Obviously, as the chief communications officer, you no doubt have increased responsibility around this topic. Um, it's a big theme for many companies and many communications leaders right now. Um, so I'm just curious what advice you would give to others who are um, are really grappling with with these these subjects. A couple of years ago, uh, we got caught flat-footed on a social topics issue related to uh, uh, the Defense of Marriage Act and the, U the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, a call had come out for companies to sign on to an, an amicus brief, and um, that request at the time came in to our general counsel department, uh, they they took a legal lens look at it and decided that because our benefits for our same-sex employees would uh, would still be superior to anything that the government might mandate um, through through DOMA, that we didn't have a dog in that fight, and so they opted not to sign on. 
couple weeks later, a call comes into the PR department and it's from a newspaper wanting to know why we had not signed on to the amicus brief, that that seemed very out of character for a company as progressive as Southwest Airlines and is, um, and, and, and who has DE&I, uh, you know, sort of woven into its narrative and behavior very strongly, that seemed, that seemed out of character. So then the PR department has to go exploring, well, what, what, what is this amicus brief and why didn't we sign it? Um, and uh, so we found out what happened and we sort of explained that it really was, uh, it was interpreted as a legal narrow issue that we didn't feel like any of our benefits were going to change uh, as a result. And so uh, we opted not to. And so then out comes a story uh, that says the case of the missing signature and we're the lead. Uh, and then the call came from the CEO. Uh, and he was like, why didn't we sign on to the amicus brief? And so um, that was all really, it was a really good exercise. What it led to was the formation internally of something that we call the social topics committee. And so for the last three or four years, this, this multi um, functional group. So it, it's, it's investor relations. It's our people department, which is our HR function. It's marketing communications, DE&I governmental affairs, um, and, and our operations group. So, you know, the voice of the employee, they, we come together regularly and, and we've looked at a number of different issues. I, I mentioned the human trafficking initiative that we decided to be more bold on a couple of years ago. Um, so the latest, uh, conversations that are happening around race relations, racial injustice have, have been a, 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 a focused topic for the social topics committee to help guide our senior leadership and our CEO uh, about how we should think about that. Um, the good news is we've, we've honed in on a couple of key things. Uh, thankfully, we, we've had a number of national partnerships um, with, with uh, organizations that have been fighting uh, racial injustice. And so we were able to kind of talk about those existing relationships. We didn't have to go out and form relationships when this started to happen. We had great um, partnerships uh, with some of these nonprofits and um, were able to kind of talk about what help they needed. We were able to make a few uh, modest additional donations um, and we were able to have some key conversations externally. Uh, internally, I would tell you that the main thing we need to do is diversify leadership. So when you look across the Southwest Airlines organization, we mirror the communities that we serve until you get to some of the senior leadership ranks, and then we don't. And so obviously something is not quite right with the pipeline, that we're not being as uh, democratized as we need to be about how that uh, pipeline gets filled, um, that we are we need to root out any bias there is in the uh, selection process and in the interview process and in the candidate pool process. And so we're looking at all of those uh, policies to, to be refreshed and updated, and we're going to be setting some concrete goals on how we can bring uh, more people of color into our leadership ranks um, over the next few years. So uh, those are those are good conversations that are happening. Um, our CEO has been very transparent about the work that we want to go do. The Social Topics Committee, working with the um, Diversity and Inclusion Group, uh, has been um, a great partnership to now, you know, sort of uh, find our place, um, both externally, uh, you know, as a brand and what we need to be doing. And then inside the organization uh, where we want to definitely uh, make some changes around what we look like at the leadership level. That's, that's great. And that social topics committee, I think is something a lot of people are probably jotting down a note about um, as they, as they listen to this. Um, we'll be happy to chat more about that. <laughs> there's, 
there's a lot of emphasis right now, of course, on um, racial justice and equity. Um, but you know, there's also been a, a, a all over many years now for um, you know increased gender diversity as well, and something that's very sort of near and dear to Lippy Taylor, having been founded by a female, and most of our executives are women. So, as as a female leader yourself. Um, curious, did you have any mentors, female leaders specifically, who helped you along the path? And if so, any key learnings you would pass on? Yeah, I, I've been fortunate to have several strong um, leaders throughout my career. Uh, and and in fact, here at Southwest Airlines had, um, you know, a, a strong influence both in um, my immediate leader until she retired, uh, Ginger Hardage, who was the senior vice president of culture and communications. Um, and then also in our president, now president emeritus, Colleen Barrett, um, both strong women uh, who were excellent role models and examples for me as, as I, you know, have been developing in my career. Um, I would, uh, I would say a couple of key lessons that I learned from them. Um, you know, I, I, I'm personally wired to have a very uh, strong sense of integrity. And so when I see something that isn't uh, quite right, either in the organization or out in the world, um, I want to take it on and fix it. And I think what I've learned uh, from both Ginger and Colleen was you have to pick your battles. Um, everything can't be a fight or that's exhausting. Not only is that exhausting for you, but that's exhausting for people around you. Um, and so you, you have to sort of uh, decide and prioritize the things where you really can make a difference. And some of it, sometimes you just have to let that go. I would say the other key thing that I learned is as, um, you know, I don't know as I've, uh, as I've grown in leadership, one of the things I noticed about myself was that sometimes I would get risk averse. So the higher you climb in an organization, the less you want to make a mistake that would jeopardize potentially that, you know, that, that position. Um, but that was the completely wrong way to think about this. And what I learned from Colleen and Ginger is that you are put into a role, and particularly here in the communications role, because I have a perspective. Um, through my years of experience, through you know my background and upbringing, um, I have I have a perspective, and so that is probably the most important thing that I have to keep remembering is that I have a perspective. The second thing you have to remember is that you have to have the courage to share it. It's one thing to have those great conversations in your head, <laughs> but it's another thing to figure out how to then express those so that they can benefit the organization that you represent. And so I would say those are some key lessons that I've learned um, from both of them along the way. Um, and, you know, learn something new every day, certainly. Uh, you're never done learning. I, I, I firmly believe that. Those are very powerful and empowering uh, lessons to pass along. So I, I want to wrap up with one final question here, which is the one I referenced earlier. We just talked about these inspiring women sending the ladder down, so to speak, as we look at our industry and a lot of people, you know, looking for new opportunities right now. Um, many of them are just also looking for advice on what are the skill sets that hiring managers are looking for, or what are the, 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 the ways they might be positioning themselves or things that they should do um, as they look for their next opportunity. So what do you look for? when you're hiring or what advice would you give to those people today? You know, I was just asked this question by a book author uh, last week and we got into a great conversation. Um, I think it is an intellectual curiosity. 
uh, I look for first. I mean, there's a lot of things that are what I would call table stakes, right? So, you know, some some prior experience and communication, uh, success at writing across multiple platforms, uh, ability to influence um, beyond positional authority, uh, and and then I would say um, that uh, I want to know I want to know stories that that have you demonstrate for me your ability to uh, build trust, uh, to be a trusted advisor. Um, and to uh, and to always be learning. Um, you know, there is a uh, there's a business acumen that when you are continuing to grow in leadership, it becomes less about your functional expertise and more about your, you know, your business expertise and your ability to contribute at a higher level uh, to the strategy or to the challenges that the business faces. And then secondarily to whatever your expertise might be, whether it's in tax or finance or operations or communication. Um, and so you have to always be willing to, you know, to continue to learn and grow and be intentional uh, about understanding that the business that you're in. Uh, the other thing that I that we talked about and I would also just suggest is um, find where you can add value. And so a lot of that is about um, your, your, your personal brand. So understand what your personal brand is and how you want to articulate it. Uh, so that you can show how you are adding value and providing value to the organization that that you're joining or that you want to grow uh, within, um, so that you know people understand what they can come to you for and how they can sort of plug you in uh, to you know to the overall conversations that are happening. I think a lot of times we don't take time to understand what our opportunity is to contribute, and and then even further have a hard time sort of explaining what that is. It's all great advice, Linda. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your expertise and your insights here today. I'm sure a lot of people are going to really um, enjoy listening to this, and we thank you for it. Thank you, Paul. Enjoyed it. All right. So here, as always, are some key takeaways from this conversation with Linda Rutherford. Number one, define your culture through your origin story. Southwest Airlines' culture is described as having a servant's heart complemented by a warrior spirit and a fun-loving attitude. The warrior part of this ethos is an homage to the original staff of Southwest, who had to face unsurmountable odds in order for the fledging airline company to survive early on in the cutthroat industry while competitors were trying to squash them. This warrior ethic of early Southwest employees has been kept alive to this day and is especially meaningful because it's one of the very cornerstones that the company was built on. So if you're trying to discover or reevaluate the tenets of your own company culture, search for it in your origin story. Number two, live beyond your purpose. Part of ensuring that your company lives up to its purpose is observing what business you're in and then determining what greater good that business can serve. In the case of Southwest, whose purpose is to connect people to what's important in their lives, they recognized that they were in the airline business, which technically is a business of moving people. As they dug a little deeper into this concept, the plight of human trafficking victims became a cause that was immediately relevant and resonant, especially when they realized that trafficking atrocities could be occurring on their own airline. As a result, they train their entire staff to recognize the signs of human trafficking and follow protocols to bring victims to safety. As a brand dedicating to safely connecting people to the things that matter, they knew that they had to align against the polar opposite of that in order to truly live their purpose. 
Number three, use social listening to fail fast. In an age where many marketers are cautious about communications for fear of being accused of cause washing or being labeled as tone deaf, real-time analytics and social listening has never been more important. Social data allows marketers to test the nuances of their messages and communication in real time to make sure they're resonating with consumers and stakeholders. They can then in turn correct course immediately if the message is a little bit off. Southwest has taken this approach with executive speeches and announcements and used the listening data to adjust everything from online ads to overall marketing messaging. The truth is no brand really ever knows how their message is going to be received, particularly during volatile times, but silence and analysis paralysis aren't an option either. Today's times calls for better listening overall, and social listening is the perfect place to start if you're a brand. Anyway, thank you as always for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with your friends and colleagues on LinkedIn? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Lippy Taylor. That's L-I-P-P-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. And to learn more about us, visit LippyTaylor.com. Thank you for listening to Frictionless Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to check out Paul's best-selling book, Friction Fatigue, What the Failure of Advertising Means for Future-Focused Brands. In Friction Fatigue, Paul explains to readers why advertising is broken and provides a frictionless marketing framework to help build your brand in an era where advertising is no longer the answer. You'll learn how to protect your business against competitors and lead the pack with fresh marketing strategies that will help you prepare for a future where the consumer rules. Friction Fatigue is now available on Amazon and as a book on tape on audible.com. Thanks again for listening.